As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to the Slam and Jam here on the Athletic NBA Show. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. You can go to theathletic.com slash NBA show and get The Athletic for a discounted rate. Go do that today. Also, it would be super cool if you'd leave us a five-star review. We're going to read some five-star reviews at the end of this show because lots of you have been very kind to us in the season of giving. So you could do that if you'd like to give something to us. It would be a five-star review. Uh, With me, as always, is my good friend Alex Spears. Alex, tell us what happened in the NBA this week. Well, Andrew, it all began last Friday night with a matchup between the number one and number two seeds in the Eastern Conference, the Boston Celtics and the Orlando Magic. That's right, folks. The hottest team in the league is the Orlando Magic, who are currently on an eight game winning streak and sit at 13 and five overall. One of those wins was Friday night against Boston, a 113 to 96 victory that saw the other Wagner brother, Mo, put up a game high 27 points to lead the Magic to the win. The Magic have been rolling despite missing starting center Wendell Carter Jr. Paula, balling. Franz, balling. Suggs, guess what he's doing, Andrew? Balling! He's balling. <laughs> up next. A showdown with the Wizards. Okay, maybe not a huge game, but in two weeks, they have a five-game stretch against Cleveland, Boston, Boston, Miami, and Milwaukee. Ooh, very juicy. Also on Friday, the NBA announced it was looking into allegations that Oklahoma City's Josh Giddy had an inappropriate relationship with a minor, an investigation that began following a viral tweet on Thanksgiving of videos and pictures of Giddy with a girl. The Newport Police Department has also opened a police inquiry. Findings from these investigations have not yet been reported as of Friday morning. On Saturday, the new look Clippers got their best win of the season up to that point with a 107 to 88 beatdown of the Dallas Mavericks. The Clippers had one of those box scores where you know the numbers must add up to 107 because that's what it says they scored, but it sure doesn't look like it. James Harden only had eight, four, and seven. Kawhi only had eight, but somehow it all ended up to 107. The Mavericks, meanwhile, got 56 combined from Luka and Kyrie, but only 32 points from the rest of the roster. Later in the week, it was announced that Mark Cuban had sold a majority ownership stake in the Mavericks while still remaining in charge of basketball operations. The assumption is that Cuban is positioning himself for a future casino slash hotel slash sports arena in the Dallas metro area. On Sunday, it came down to the wire in Madison Square Garden with the Knicks and Suns tied at 113 in the final seconds. The Suns were once again missing stars, this time Bradley Beal and Kevin Durant, but didn't matter because with 1.7 seconds left, Devin Booker hit a three from the right wing to give the Suns their seventh straight victory. Phoenix would go on to lose their next game to Toronto, but after a successful week, currently sit at 11-7, fifth in the West, and their next game, a Friday night game on ESPN against the Denver Nuggets. On Monday, it was the most anticipated game of the season for a very specific type of person. On one side, we had the Detroit Pistons, a roster constructed to mimic the feeling of constipation, stagnant, (laughs) cramped, uncomfortable. On the other side, the Washington Wizards, a roster constructed to mimic the feeling of diarrhea, loose, (laughs) 
out of control. <laughs> Cannot get stops. The Pistons came into the game on a 13-game losing streak. The Wizards were on a nine-game losing streak. If that wasn't embarrassing enough, what if I told you that one of those teams lost by 19? That's right. The Pistons lost their 14th game in a row, 126 to 107. Detroit would go on to lose to the Lakers and Knicks, taking their losing streak to 16, which is a franchise record. Next up, two home games against the Cavs and Grizzlies. Okay, maybe. With an expectation that Bojan Bogdanovic will return to the lineup soon. Good luck, Pistons fans. Shout out to Iria. On Tuesday, Shout out Daria. Uh, on Tuesday, it was game eight of the Western Conference first round series between the Golden State Warriors and Sacramento Kings in the Golden One Center. The game was part of the in-season tournament, and the Kings needed a win or a loss by fewer than 12 points to advance. And early on, it was not looking good. The Kings got down by as much as 24 and were down 17 at half before slowly climbing back into the game, finally pulling ahead with 546 left. The game would come down to the Kings' final shot, a really awkward mid-range fadeaway from Malik Monk with seven seconds left to put the Kings ahead for the final time, 124 to 123. The Kings sit at 10 and 7, sixth in the West. On Wednesday, it was time for the Nuggets to get revenge. The Houston Rockets had beaten the Nuggets twice already yeah. this season, yeah. including a 105 to 86 blowout in Houston. This time, the game was back in Denver, and back for Denver was Jamal Murray, returning after an 11-game absence. The Nuggets got up big early and kept the Rockets at arm's length the rest of the night, winning 134-124. to Nikola Jokic had a triple-double, putting up 32, 10, and 15. For the Rockets, it wasn't all bad news. Jalen Green kept the Nuggets in the game after half, scoring 18 points in the third quarter. Next up for the 8-8 Rockets is a road game against the Lakers, a game that will decide whether they went 5-5 five and five in that tough 10-game stretch I described a few weeks ago. And finally, on Thursday night, the Miami Heat put up 142 on the Pacers, including 45 points in the fourth quarter. Jimmy Butler scored 36, while rookie Jaime Jaquez Jr. scored a career-high 24 points, including 14 in the fourth. The win has the Heat at 11-8, sixth in the East, for the Pacers, Tyrese Halliburton scored a career-high 44 in the game, but it was Indiana's trademark defense, or lack thereof, that did them in through 16 games. Pacers' opponents have scored more than 120 10 different times, including now three games topping 140 points. The Pacers are 9-8 and and find themselves in the play-in in the seventh spot. What a week it was, Andrew. What a week indeed. Uh, I have more on the Pacers here in a little bit. I think you Ooh, do, too. too. Uh, we're talking a lot about the Pacers today. But I wanted to talk about uh, we're, we're almost 20 games in. I think by the time the weekend's over, we'll be 20 games in. And it's mm. time to start looking at some five-man lineups. And so I have three five-man lineups that are really working and three that are not working very well at all. So first one, let's start with a surprise. It's the Houston Rockets. The, their starting lineup has actually played the most minutes of any lineup in the NBA so far this season. 248 minutes to be exact. They're a plus 11 net rating. 115 offense, 104 defense, which is really good. It's Van Vliet, Dylan Brooks, Jalen Green, Jabari Smith, and Alperin Shangun. Uh, just for a little comparison, the two lineups that played the most for Houston last season were a minus 9 and a minus 11. Mm. So this is a big improvement for the Houston Rockets. So shout out to Houston. Uh, the next one is the lineup that is the most dominant in the league right now. It's the Boston Celtics. Drew Holiday, Derek White, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and the Zinger are a plus 27. They're a 123 wow. offense, 96 defense. Lord. It's insane. <laughs> <laughs> so the best lineups over the last four years, I thought like, okay, like plus 27 seems insane. Let's go yeah. back over the last four years and see just how insane it is. Last season, the best lineup, best five-man lineup that played significant minutes was the Chicago Bulls. This is like maybe like the top 50 most played lineups. Um, Chicago Bulls were actually the one, plus 14.7, with DeMar DeRozan, Pat Bev, Caruso, Levine, and Vooch. Um, that is kind of wild. That, that blew my mind. <laughs> that lineup. 
given what's going on currently. Yeah, because like the convert and like all their lineups right now are so bad. Like any pair Vooch with anybody and it's really bad. But like the conversations are like, oh yeah, like they should have known last season that like they're that this was never ever gonna work. It's like, well, actually, like that lineup kind of worked, (laughs) you know, and it's with Pat Bev and like Clearly, like there's something there with these like point of attack defenders along with DeMar DeRozan and Levine and Vooch. Like you need those guys there. But also maybe that was just a just a one season thing because it's been it's been really bad so far. Um, and maybe they just needed to unleash Alex Caruso the entire time. I mean, maybe so. As, as we saw last night. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, in the season before, in the 21-22 season, the team with the best... Um, net rating for a five-man lineup was the Boston Celtics. Again, uh, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Tatum, Horford, and Rob Williams were a plus 24.6 on the season. That was what one was of the most played lineups. You may be getting to it, but what was like the KD Warriors? I didn't go back. I didn't go back that far. I, I oh, just okay. wanted to go. I honestly wanted to go back in just recent history just because the offenses have changed so much with like how True. good they yeah. are right now. That it's even hard to compare what teams used to be because like the margins were just so much smaller, and so I really just wanted to go back a few years. Um, but you could check you could check it out while I'm reading this next one, which is from right. <laughs> 2020 2021. It's the Utah Jazz with Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, Royce O'Neal, Bogdanovich, and Joe Ingles. They were plus 19 in the 20 2021 season. Um, very, very good. And then the nineteen twenty season. This is not this is also an, another one I would not have predicted, but one of the best fifty most played lineups. Um plus eighteen is the New Orleans Pelicans. Drew Holiday, Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, Zion Williamson, and Derek Favors <laughs> was the, oh, wow. the best <laughs> net rating for a five man group in the nineteen twenty season that had like the top fifty um, most played lineups. So, uh, did you find you find uh, the, uh, the yes. Now this is cleaning the glass, so it might be slightly okay. different. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the starting lineup which had Zaza Pachulia in it mm-hmm. plus twenty three point five. Yeah, right. They did. Yeah, the Celtics are plus twenty seven. It's crazy. Uh, okay, last lineup that is working, which I find very interesting, in one hundred and forty eight minutes together, it's the Los Angeles Clippers. James Harden, Terrence Mann, Paul George, Kawhi, and Zubats, plus 21 and a half in their minutes. Interesting. Together. Yeah. Well, I mean, they finally split up Harden and Russ. Mm-hmm. And that's, although, you know, I was watching the game last night and they're still closing with both of those guys. I know. Well, there's more on that here. That, so, okay. <laughs> so that lineup, 122 offensive rating, 100 defense. Like, that's very, very good. If you look back when they started the season with Westbrook starting and Covington in the lineup um, instead of Terrence Mann, in 51 minutes, they were plus 38. Like, very, very good. Like They were just cruising. Small sample, though. So, so small. It's small, but it still was Tiny. good. It still was good. But when you put Westbrook and Harden in there with Paul George, Kawhi, and Zubats so far this season, minus 22.6. Yeah. Their defense is fine. It's at a 110. It's like, okay, like that's not good, but teams can manage with a 110 defense right now. Offensive rating 86 points or 87.6. Yeah. Is their offensive rating? It's the bottom of the barrel. I mean, the worst offense in the NBA right now is a 105. That's the worst one. It's the Portland Trail Blazers. Worst offense in the league, 105. And they're 87.6. I will say, watching the game last night against the Warriors, at the end of the game, there were like a if, if Paul George hits like two of these threes that he could very well normally make, mm-hmm. like they would have looked a lot better. Like I, I actually enjoyed some of the like Westbrook crashing the offensive boards and then immediately kicking out to a shooter. Sure, but in general, yes, it has not worked. Yeah. Maybe it'll eventually work, but it doesn't seem like it's working. Well, there's only one lineup that has played at least 100 minutes with an offensive rating below 100 so far besides this lineup, and it is the New York Knicks. So we're moving on to the three teams, three lineups that are not working. In 104 Mm. minutes, Jalen Brunson, Josh Hart, 
Quentin Grimes, Julius Randle, and Mitchell Robinson are a minus 11.4. Um, hmm. It's not great. And what's really weird, this is, and this like, this doesn't mean anything except for it's just really weird. In exactly 104 minutes. So both these lineups have both played 104 minutes with quickly DiVincenzo, Hart, Barrett, and Hartenstein. They're a plus 11. So 104 minutes. That first lineup I mentioned was minus 11. In 104 minutes, this other Knicks lineup is plus 11. Found it to be very weird. Doesn't mean much. Not really. I wonder. But it's very yeah, weird. Yeah, I have a feeling. Is that first one being weighed down by Julius Randle early season? I mean, for um, sure. For sure. It is. Yeah. Yes. Yes, it is. But the uh, the symmetry there was uh, was a little weird. Hard to, to ignore. It's hard to ignore. I, I'm obsessed with it. Honestly, it's it's. He strange. loves numerology, folks. <laughs> it's, it's true. Uh, another one. They talked about this on the Tampering Podcast yesterday. But it's the Golden State Warriors in 103 minutes. Uh, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins, Draymond Green, Kevon Looney are a minus 10.6, 122 defensive rating which is like the staggering part of it. It's like they're just, they can't stop anybody. And they're 111 on offense, which is just kind of like normal bad. Like it's just not very good. Um, In fact, Alex, we know how bad the Pistons are. It's well documented. The entire world was watching as the Pistons just wet the bed or maybe just uh, they were constipated beyond belief. They were stopped up. (laughs) This week, just totally stopped up. Um, but their starting lineup is actually a little bit better than the Warriors starting lineup so far this season at a minus 10.1 and the Warriors at a minus 10.6. Like that's bad. Uh, I feel like it just has to correct itself. I just think that this is like, they're unsustainably bad as a starting lineup. And you would just think that like Wiggins will get better. Although he slammed his finger in the door. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, missed a game. <laughs> he missed a game. Uh, Clay, I think, will get better. I mean, I just have to believe that they will. I don't know that they're all, that they're going to be great. Like they were just pummeling teams last year. But to be I worse know. for their starters to be worse than the Pistons starters just feels like unimaginable. That's the one where even with it's obviously a super small sample. That's the one where I, I am just a little bit worried because I just need to see it more from Wiggins, see it more from Clay. Yeah, and. You know, last night, Wiggins wasn't there. And I really like what they have off the bench with some of these guys. Yeah. And I think at some point, you're just going to have to give them more minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, like Pajemski and, and Moses Moody. Because yeah, they're, they're, they're good. Yeah. Yeah. They're good players. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe they do need a change somewhere. Uh, all right. Last one. I mentioned the Indiana Pacers at the start of this Uh the Pacers in 135 minutes with Halliburton, Matherin, Bruce Brown, Obi Toppin, and Miles Turner are a minus two and a half. Defensive rating of 120, offensive rating of 118. It's not very good. But all you have to do is take out Ben Matherin and put in Buddy Heald, and you're just cooking with gasoline here. Plus 25.4 when you make that switch. Hmm. 138 offense and a respectable 113 defense when you make that switch so far this season. I thought like, boy, I mean, that is that is quite an exchange because a lot of times it's like, oh, you change like one or two players or even like three players surrounding like some of the stars and things change pretty significantly. It's just providing like the floor spacing of Buddy Heald just like completely unlocks everything for this Pacers team. Yeah, I maybe buy the offensive side. I do not buy that adding Buddy Heald makes them like a, a really solid defensive unit. Yeah, yeah, but- yeah. It's and maybe it's just like Matherin's still learning the league, you know, still his yeah. second season. And Buddy Heald is, is never going to be like some lockdown defender, but he's been in the league for a long time. Like he at least knows like positionally where he needs to be. He's never going to be good or a stopper. I mean, he's definitely the worst defender of that bunch, but I don't know. It's working. It's working with Buddy Heald, not working so much with Ben Matherin. And and, ben Math- and and maybe the destiny of Ben Matherin is to be their sixth man. Because that was always the kind of guy that he profiled to be a little bit. He's like a creator yeah. with a ball in his hand, somebody that can get downhill, get to the free throw line, uh, get buckets on his own. Um, I'm not saying that like that has to be where he's headed, but like so far this season, it's it's pretty clear that their starting lineup's better with just a pure floor spacer at the two. 
Well, Andrew, I'm going to continue the Pacers talk because uh, I mentioned them earlier. You, you just talked about them. They've been a league pass favorite for yeah. many people and for good reason. They have an incredible high-powered offense led by Tyrese Halliburton, who's very fun. And they also have an incredible low-powered defense that lets other teams uh, routinely turn into the 2017 Warriors on random weeknights. Uh, and as it turns out, that's a great recipe for entertaining television. Yeah, they've already they've already played one of the games of the year that 157 to 152 game with the Hawks yep. in the in-season tournament, a game that did not go into overtime. 309 points in regulation. It's insane. The difference between their offense and defense is what I'm so fascinated by because currently. Per cleaning the glass, who filters out garbage time, the Pacers have the number one offense in the league and the 29th ranked defense. But due to the recent offensive explosion across the league, saying that it's the number one offense, 29th ranked defense, doesn't really do the Pacers justice. Technically, we are talking about the most efficient offense in the history of the NBA and the second worst defense the game has ever seen. And the only thing preventing the Pacers from holding both titles, best offense of all time, and worst defense of all time are those damn Washington Wizards who currently have the worst defense in the league, giving up over 123 points per 100 possessions, which is somehow over a full point per 100 possessions worse than the Pacers. Uh, uh, that in and of itself is kind of impressive. Yeah. But it does feel like we're watching something extremely unique when it comes to these Pacers. But are we? Have, have there been teams that have been truly elite in one phase of the game while being hilariously inept in the other phase. Mm. To find this out, I went back in time. Using Cleaning the Glass, I went back 20 years, as far as their database will go, to find out more about what I'll call extreme teams. Extreme teams. Extreme teams that go all in on one end of the floor while pretending that the other end of the floor does not exist. Now, I started broad. I looked for teams that finished top five in one phase of the game, bottom five in the other phase. There were 15 extreme teams in total since the 03-04 season. And some of the extreme teams, uh, you're going to remember. The 2017-18 Cavs, LeBron's final year in Cleveland. The 08-09 Suns, which was Shaq's only full season in Phoenix when he yep. actually made the All-Star game as a 36-year-old. Yep. You got uh, the 06-07 Wizards, which was Gilbert Arenas' final All-Star season. Hmm. And you also had the 03-04 Mavs, which was Nash's final season in Dallas. So some very memorable teams. In fact, all of those that I mentioned were the final like, important year for those players on that team. Yeah. Now, if there's a team that best exemplified what it means to be an extreme team, it would have to be the early 2000s Seattle Supersonics. Seattle finished with a top three offense and a bottom five defense in three consecutive seasons from 2004 to 2006. Ray Allen, Richard Lewis, Vladimir, Vladimir Radmanovich. Those teams knew how they wanted to play the game of basketball, yeah. and it did not involve one end of the court. If you remember any of those Sonics teams, you'll remember that they weren't all bad. The 04-05 Sonics won 52 games and yeah. made it to the second round of the playoffs while being an extreme team. And that's the thing about being extreme. It doesn't really cap your regular season ceiling. Four of the 15 extreme teams in the last 20 seasons won at least 50 games. Another was like at 47, another at 48. 50 wins is totally doable, even when you're only playing on one side of the court most nights. If anything, being an extreme team guarantees you a pretty comfortable floor in the regular season because no extreme team has ever won fewer than 35 games. It guarantees you a certain level of competence. In fact, 11 of the 15 extreme teams in the last 20 seasons made the playoffs. Success in the playoffs, however, is another story. Only two of those 11 made it beyond the first round. The first was the 0405 Sonics that I mentioned earlier. They lost to the eventual champion Spurs in six in the 2005 playoffs. And then you had these 17-18 Cavs, who had LeBron James, lost in the finals to the Warriors. So mm -hmm. unless you have one of the greatest players of all time, you kind of have to keep your expectations in check. Yep. with these teams, but hey, at least you'll likely make the playoffs. What Indiana is doing, though, is unique even among this group. I mean, we're talking top one offense and bottom two defense. The yeah. only extreme team that came close to that was the 2020-2021 Portland Trailblazers, oh. who had the second-ranked offense and 29th-ranked defense. 
This was the uh, post-COVID team. They made it to the playoffs. They were actually 42-30, and 30, which works out to about a 48-win team. Because that was like the 72-game season. Yep. They, they had that really entertaining six-game series against the Nuggets. That series was tied 2-2. And I can fondly remember being at a bar here in Portland and watching Game 5, which was a 147-140 to double overtime <laughs> Nuggets win. Just like an incredible game. Yeah. And so, you know, maybe that's the destiny of this Pacers team. You know, really fun team led by an elite point guard, playoff team who pushes a better team with a couple memorable games. I'd say that would be a successful season for the Pacers this year. Oh, yeah. But, Andrew, what would really turn this Pacers season up a few notches, really get me going, is if those goofy-ass Wizards can play a little defense <laughs> for a couple months. And that way, the Pacers can claim the title of greatest offense of all time and worst defense of all time in the same season. Because, folks, it does not get more extreme than that. That would be the ultimate extreme team. So go Pacers and go Wizards, Stevens. Go Wizards. Uh, I I have a belief that the Wizards can can do this. I think we can get there, Washington. You've gone from believing they could win thirty five games to now believing they can be the second worst defense. Yeah, I just I just <laughs> I just love this Wizards team um, for all the wrong reasons. Probably uh, some team that I love for all the right reasons is the Denver Nuggets. We're gonna talk to Adam Morris right after this break. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Are you struggling to close deals? B2B selling is tougher than ever, and that's why I want to tell you about LinkedIn Sales Navigator. LinkedIn Sales Navigator is a sales intelligence platform that helps professionals effectively prospect and engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator helps you target the right buyers, surface key signals, and show you hidden allies so that you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you up-to-date first-party data, enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash show 23 That's linkedin.com slash show 23 for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash NBA show 23 and get started. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, Andrew, it is time for the Wheel of Fandom, our weekly segment where we spin a wheel, it lands on a team, and we become fans of that team for the next week or the next two weeks. Because two weeks ago, the wheel landed on the Denver Nuggets. At that time, the Nuggets were 9-2, and two, but they were heading off on a five-game road trip that saw them come back to Denver 10-6. and six. The 1-4 road trip included losses to New Orleans, Cleveland, Orlando, and Houston, the one win was against Detroit, a game in which both Michael Malone and Nikola Jokic were ejected early in the game. Week number two was much more kind to the Nuggets as they are currently on a three-game winning streak. The most recent game, a 134-124 win over Houston, saw the return of Jamal Murray. The Nuggets are now 13-6 with the 10th-ranked offense and 14th-ranked defense per cleaning the glass. Andrew, if the Nuggets are our favorite team, who is our guest? 
It's our guy Adam Mares. He's the head of content at DNVR Sports, host of the Locked on Nuggets podcast, and host of an all-new, all-city NBA podcast with Tim Legler. Adam, what's up, man? What's up, fellas? Um, <laughs> it was funny how you opened that out with the uh, – you became a fan of the Nuggets right when they went on this losing streak. So. I know. It was an interesting two weeks. It was a weird, a weird two weeks for the Nuggets. Yeah. Um, well, Adam, we got to see a wide range of Nuggets basketball over these past two weeks. Uh, what was more entertaining, the, the Jokic Malone ejection from the game in Detroit or the Reggie Drummond time machine mm. game in L.A.? I mean, this one's easy, even though those ejections were pretty hilarious. Like, if you're going to get ejected, it should be funny, and yeah. both of them <laughs> both of them were. Um, but you have to go with Reggie Jackson, man. And I almost feel bad for DeAndre Jordan that Reggie Jackson played so well that it stole the thunder because we've seen Reggie Jackson play well over the last five years. You know, he's had his moments. To go and do that against his old team was special. And it wasn't just that he had a good game. It was the way in which he had a good game. I mean, outplaying Harden, Paul George, Kawhi, all those guys. But it did overshadow DeAndre Jordan, who I didn't think could play a good basketball game. (laughs) And he was the second best player on the court in in that game. So that game to me is one of my all-time favorite regular season games. So it has to take the cake. (laughs) So the Nuggets start off the season. They're dominant. Eight and one. Offense is humming. Defense looks really good. Did that recent one and four road stretch reveal anything to you about this team other than that they really needed Jamal Murray? Was there anything else revealed during that stretch? It's tough to say. I mean, what happened when you took Jamal Murray out of the rotation is you lost the identity of the non-Jokic minutes. Typically, the non-Jokic minutes, as few as there are, Jamal Murray anchors that. And then you could put young players around him. You could put... Christian Brown, Julian Strother, uh, Julian, uh, I'm sorry, Peyton Watson. You could put these young guys who we know are limited and are growing in their offensive talent but are very raw, and you could say, okay, they just need to do the hustle things. If you take Jamal Murray out of that equation, all of a sudden it's like, well, now we need you to also be a good ball handler and a good shooter and a good scorer because if you don't do those things, there's nobody to kind of uh, to save you. So we learned that those guys are not – ready to step up and take on that role. But I don't know if we learned that. We kind of anticipated that would be the case. Um, and then the last thing I'll say is Denver went out on the road and played good teams. If you look at that, they don't they didn't have a bad loss. You know, the Cavs are maybe the worst team that they played on that road trip, and the Cavs are pretty good. So they won or they lost to a bunch of teams that have been very good at home. Um, it's discouraging if you're Denver who has championship aspirations, but at the same time, I think it's just a November lesson. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So one of the big stories coming into this year was Peyton Watson, who looked good in summer league, was tabbed as one of the guys that could help fill Bruce Brown's shoes. It's obviously been an up and down start to the season, but what have been your impressions of Watson so far and the areas that he'll need to develop in to make the kind of impact that we were hoping to see? So he has tremendous defensive upside. He reminds you of a player like a Jaden McDaniels or Herb Jones, just yeah. in terms of body type, length, mm-hmm. and the spectacular plays that he makes on the defensive end. All of those guys will make blocks that you didn't see coming, get steals, or shut down players that are above their weight class. You know, you'll you'll see him go up against one of the heavy hitting scores and lock him up a possession or two, and you'll say, oh, wow, that looked like something not everybody can do. His feel for the game, he, he still has a long way to go on that. His offensive game right now is very robust. There's a lot of talent there, but it's not very consistent. Sometimes the footwork is weird. Sometimes the shooting mechanics are weird. But for me, the thing that gives me hope about Peyton Watson over the stretch, and when you were asking me about how do I feel about it, it was a necessary, the the losing streak to me was a necessary stumbling block for a young group of players that needed to realize, oh, we actually have a lot way long way to go, and our flaws are disguised by the great players in front of us. But now that they're out in the open, it's like, okay, here's what we are. And Peyton Watson, to me, is a guy that needs to play hard when he's on the court at all times. That's what he brings to the table. First and foremost, if he brings nothing else, just be a guy that outworks your opponent and wears them down. I think he learned that. And now going in, you know, the last handful of games, he's brought it every single night. So I think for me, Mm -hmm. he's over a hump where it's like, oh, I know what my role is on this team now. I got to execute that every game. So thinking beyond Watson, a lot of the talk this summer was, you know, how do the Nuggets replace the playoff minutes 
for Bruce Brown and to a lesser extent, Jeff Green. How confident are you on December 1st that the Nuggets have the pieces on the roster to adequately fill those minutes come playoff time? Or do you think a trade will eventually be needed? So I think that they have it in terms of volume of players, but I don't know if they have it in positions. If you look at Reggie Jackson's game, I know it's one game, but that game in the Clippers, Bruce never had a game like that in the regular season. That was a peak that was beyond even what Bruce brought uh, to the team. Now, is Reggie going to do that consistently? I don't know. We'll find out. He's having a great year, by the way. It's under the radar how Reggie Jackson is having a bounce back year, probably his best year in three seasons. Um, And this is after when he got traded to Denver last year, he was given the spot in the rotation and then lost it because he played so poorly. Hangs around Mm -hmm. Denver all summer. Um, to be with the young guys, to build chemistry with the second unit. And he has looked phenomenal so far this year. Um, So I think they have it in terms of their backcourt. Christian Brown was there last year. He's a better player now. And then between Peyton Watson, Julian Strother, Justin Holiday, they have guys that they can throw in, especially in a regular season. But what's their frontcourt depth? Last year they had Jeff Green. Now you have Zeke Nagy is have to a pretty rough start to this season. Yeah. They gave him a big contract expecting him to be good. They've had to go to Aaron Gordon as backup center. They don't like to do that in the regular season. They had to do it multiple times. So to me, in volume of players, I think they have eight guys they can trust in the playoffs, but they don't have them spread out positionally in the way they need. And I'm worried that they're not going to have a backup big to just buy them five, six, seven minutes in the playoffs when they get there. Thinking about the young guys, could you give me an idea of your confidence level, like like how you would rank those young players, like Christian Brown, Jalen Pickett, yeah. Julian Strother, Peyton Watson? Like, how, yeah. how do you see those guys in terms of your confidence? Christian Brown, I have uh, a lot of confidence in because he has a skill that is at an elite level. He's an elite defender, even as a rookie. He's very disciplined. He's one of the most disciplined defenders in the league, especially for a second-year guy. And he has length and strength. So d- I know he can do something on the court at a high level. And he did it in the playoffs, by the way. He had yeah. – yeah. game three was called the Christian Brown game because of how great he was in the NBA Finals. So he's, to me, full full circle of trust. Julian Strother and Peyton Watson, I would say, are on schedule to being there by the end of the year in a limited capacity. If you're counting on those guys, like if there's an injury, okay, no, they're not ready to go and step up into a 20-minute per game role. But if you talk about a playoffs, you need guys to go out there and give you defense or give you shooting or whatever it is they specialize in for three minutes, five minutes, whatever it is, I think they're on pace to becoming players that you can trust to do that. Okay. So Michael Porter Jr., just had a season high of 30 points, 30, 10, and 5 against the Houston Rockets. Uh, he's been great on the boards as well, just, just having a great season. What have you noticed that's different about him this year? Well, he's, he hasn't shot the ball particularly well. So he had an interesting, which is funny because I think he's shooting 40%. But yeah. for Michael Porter, that's actually rough. Um, <laughs> he rolled his ankle in training camp, I think on day two of training camp. And I felt so bad for him because Michael Porter is a guy that was coming back from injury last year. And all year kind of filled in in a lower role because he knew, like, look, I'm coming back from injury. Murray's back. You know, where am I on the pecking order? And he accepted that. Hmm. This felt like a year where he was going to reestablish himself as a guy that actually has this can win you games. Rolls his ankle on the second day of camp, a grade three sprain, which is, you know, a pretty bad one. Same as De'Aaron Fox suffered. And he misses all of training camp and preseason or almost all of preseason. So he's been off to a rough shooting start. He talked last night about how this injury still gives him poor balance and he's still like working through the balance portion of this and getting stronger every day. But he expects it won't be till January that he feels 100%. So his shooting has been a little bit rough. Um, and I feel bad for him. But he did, he has lately started to shoot the ball well. I think the 30 point game was something of a breakout for him. I think it was an important game for him to kind of have a high volume scoring night. We call him Porter Quarters when he has what, like an outburst because he'll, if he hits two in a row, he's hitting five in a row. Yeah. And we haven't seen, we haven't really had a Porter Quarter this year until this last game when he started to go off. So hopefully it's a sign of things to come. I noticed that, uh, you know, Jokic is averaging career high in points. And we've always heard about Jokic, like that's not really what he wants to do, like not really where he's comfortable. Is that, do you think that's just a factor of Jamal Murray being out? Because it's even more points than he was scoring that yeah. season, you know, when Jamal Murray was out the whole time. Is that part of the reason why he's he's so frustrated, you know, why, why he's getting those texts? <laughs> no, I don't think so. Um, <laughs> this is a really interesting question because I think it's the most interesting thing that's not being discussed widely about the Denver Nuggets. Mm-hmm. We joked early on that this was Jokic's wilt year 
Wilt loved to score, but one year he said, you know, screw it. I'm going to go lead the league in assists just as a challenge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We feel like maybe Yoke's trying to lead the league in scoring just, just as a challenge <laughs> to be like, you know, passing <laughs> too easy. Um, but no, I, 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 in all sincerity, Jokic was asked a year or maybe it was two years ago if you would rather have a game-winning assist or a game-winning shot. And he shocked the world by saying a game-winning shot. Yeah. And uh-huh. this is something that I don't think he would have said seven years ago. Like when he came into the league, he liked passing. He didn't really like scoring. As time has gone on, I think Yoke has sort of, I don't want to say fallen in love. That's too strong. But I think he has started to enjoy scoring more and has views himself hmm. more as a scorer. And this year is the epitome of it. He's up to almost 30 points a game. He's yeah. shooting a lot. He's being so aggressive. I don't think there's a single quarter this year where you would say, huh, he's being a little passive. He's setting the table this quarter. He's looking to score at all times. And I this was even before Murray went down. He was doing this. It's ramped up since Murray went down. But I think there's something to – Yoke is evolving as a player every year. That's why his scoring numbers have gone up. And I don't know that it's necessarily going to go down. I think he views himself as a dominant scorer now, and he's using that to his advantage. That's super interesting. So the idea that he's like embracing this rather than he's just doing this out of necessity because of you know changes to the roster. And maybe likes it, right? And that's the yeah. weird part is maybe he's like, you know what? Scoring's more fun. Than-. He always has that line, passing makes two players happy, scoring makes one. Mm-hmm. I wonder if he's kind of like, yeah, but it makes me really happy. So <laughs> maybe it's worth it. <laughs> well, Adam, thank you for answering all our questions about the Nuggets. It is now time to play Andrew versus the Beat. Nuggets edition. Uh, now you've played this before. Uh, it's our weekly trivia show where Andrew goes head-to-head against an NBA beat writer. This week, of course, Adam Mares. Now, Adam, I have eight questions that are uh, about the Nuggets or Nuggets adjacent. Uh, you'll choose a number between one and eight. It'll correspond to a question. If you get it right, you'll get at least two points. If you get it wrong, Andrew will have a chance to steal. Now, we'll go back and forth until all the questions have been asked and answered. So what number would you like to start with? Um, let's start with number one. Question number one. Jokic leads the Nuggets in total rebounds and assists. There are only three other players in the NBA who also lead their teams in total rebounds and assists. How many can you name? And you can get one point per correct answer. In rebounds and it rebounds and assists, you said? Yeah, total or- rebounds and assists. They lead their teams. Oh, man, that is a tough one. There's four guys total. One is Jokic, of course. Four guys. Am I going to get any of these? <laughs> Because <laughs> um, Luca has like some bigs around him. Well, I mean, I'll start with Luca then. I'll, I mean, I know he's leading an assist. Adam, that is correct for okay. one point. <laughs> Don't You're on the this. board. Don't overthink this. <laughs> um, all right, let's go with. Um, oh, man, this is too. This is too tough. How many more is are LeBron- there? There are two more. What's that? There are two, two more? more. Yeah, there are two, two, two more. Yeah, okay. two more names. Um, is LeBron on the list? LeBron is not on the list. He doesn't rebound like that. Andrew, you have a chance to steal two points. You can name the other two guys. Um, there are a couple guys I'm thinking about. Um, okay. One, I, I'm pretty sure Paolo Bancaro. is. That is correct, Andrew. Oh, man, that's I thought a good that one. was the one you would not get. Least likely to get. That's a good one. Um, I think. I, I also think about Shangun, but I mm-hmm. feel like Van Vliet might have assists over him, so I won't do that. Oh, <clears throat> um, is it Sabonis? It is Sabonis. Yeah, Damanis Sabonis. Yeah. All right, Andrew. I'm so bad at this game. (laughs) Uh, Number two. Question number two. Three players have scored more than 25 points in a game this season for the Nuggets. Name all three. This question became uh, much easier uh, after our conversations. Three. But you do have to name all three. You're not getting three points. You're only getting two points. You have to name all three guys. All three guys that have scored more than 25 points in a game? Yeah, for the Nuggets. This season. Oh, this feels this feels tricky. Then there's a. Uh, oh yeah, Reggie Jackson, uh, Jokic, and um, MPJ. 
Oh, man, this yeah. was too easy. We, we mentioned both on yeah. the... I know, I know. Now that I'm reading, yeah. I was like, wow, that really was... That's maybe the most gimme question I've ever uh, had. It's just wild that Murray uh, okay. hasn't done it. Like, that's the, that's the wild I know, that, that, was, that was the question. Yeah, yeah cheating on it again. I, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> I got All right, Adam. Um, let's go to number four. Okay. Now, this one might be right up your alley. <laughs> There's a lot of talk about the Pistons right now who have lost 15 games, actually 16 games in a row. 16 now, the yeah. NBA record is 26 losses in a row, a record shared by the 2014 Sixers and the 2011 Cavs. But did you know the third longest losing streak in NBA history is 23 games, a streak held by the 1997-98 Denver Nuggets. The question is, literally name two players from the 97-98 oh Denver Nuggets. Any two... And you get the point. Mahmoud is on the team because I remember him cooking Jordan's Bulls. No? Uh, Mahmoud, I mean Chris Jackson, Mahmoud. I'm pretty, I remember that year because they beat the Chicago Bulls and he went off for like 40 points. Is he not on the list? I do not see him on the list, Adam. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> uh, let me see when he – he must have been the year before. May, maybe. The, the 96 when they would have beat, beat the Bulls. Man. The longer Possibly. losing streak was the year after, maybe. Damn. Uh, no, that was in the. He was on the 95-96, uh, 35 win Denver Nuggets. Yeah. All righty. Well, then I get this one wrong too. Um, Andrew, I could probably take more. I just was so certain of him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have nothing. I have nothing. Nobody <laughs> from this team. Nobody old Nuggets, Andrew. No, I mean that, at that at that age. <laughs> like I just like oh don't use that as an excuse. You I'm were plenty saying, old. Like, my consciousness. My, you were in I know. I was, sixth grade. Yeah, I was just thinking about like Shaq and the Bulls <laughs> and the Pacers at the time. You know, I'm not, I, I'm not. I don't think that the Nuggets ever even crossed my mind as an NBA fan. Then. Oh man, I mean that's that's kind of harsh. <laughs> <laughs> the only names you would have even had a chance to get uh -huh. probably Andrew was Bobby Jackson and oh. Tony Batie. Okay. Alfonso Ellis is, I mean, is like the mainstay of that. Oh, Alfonso Ellis. Ellis. Yeah, 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 yeah. You would have gotten yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Eric Williams, Johnny Newman, uh, Corey Alexander, Danny Fortson. Oh, Danny Fortson. Uh, Anthony Goldwire, Kiwan Lamoris Garris. Yeah. Anything? The sad thing is this whole era of Nuggets basketball runs together because they were all the same season, just, you know, different players. <laughs> yeah. But they, they they won between 11 and 30 games every single year Holy for a while. Smokes. Yeah. A different Great coach every year, too, by the way. Wow. Oh, really? Ugh. Well, that's why we don't remember. Andrew, where would you like to go next? Uh, number three. <clears throat> Question number three. 76% of P.J. Tucker's shots are corner threes, <laughs> which is the highest percentage in the NBA. This Denver Nugget has the second highest percentage with 46% of their shots being corner threes. Who is it? Oh, this is such an interesting question. It's got, I mean, it's a limited player. I mean, is it Peyton Watson? I don't know. That is incorrect, Andrew. Adam, do you have a guess? It's got to be KCP, I would imagine. It is not KCP. <laughs> Would you believe it's Justin Holiday? Oh man, he's taking like seven percent eleven shots. On <laughs> that, that, he may not have taken a lot, but he qualified on cleaning the glass. There you go. All right, well, I'm allowed to ask it. Um, okay, games. Adam, the let's board is yours. To, four questions left. Let's go to number eight. I think I'm setting a record. I've never gotten a question right on the show, so let's keep it going. Number eight. Uh, Okay, this is a fun one. Julian Strother hit five three-pointers in a November game against the Pelicans. Strother is only the ninth Nuggets rookie to have a game with at least five three-pointers, and we're going to name the other eight. Oh, So how no. this works, <laughs> Adam, you're going to give me a name, then Andrew will give me a name, and we'll okay. go back and forth until one of you stumbles. Uh, it's got to be Michael Porter. I, I feel like for sure he hit five his first year. He had some crazy games. That is correct. Michael Porter is on the list. Andrew. Did Mello do Ooh. it? Carmelo Anthony also on the list. So these are Nuggets rookies who had a game with at least five three-pointers. I mean, you've got to think it's more modern era players. So I'm going to go with Jamal Murray. That is correct. He's on the list. Back to Andrew. 
How many more are there? There are five <laughs> five names. That feels impossible to me. Um, oh goodness, I don't. I mean, there there's just like oh, I have one. There's rookies that just keep hitting my brain that I'm just like I just don't know if they <laughs> had the chance to actually do this in their time right. as a rookie. I, think um, I have two more. Ooh, I don't know. Adam's getting Put confident. The pressure on. I don't think I I can't get this name out of my brain, and I'm just gonna say it just because it's just there. And okay. I know that he had the opportunity to do it, but I don't know that he has the ability to do to do it, which makes me okay. feel so dumb. Um, Emmanuel Moutier. Uh, no, he did not have the ability. <laughs> yeah, he had the opportunity, but did not have the. Uh, he did have the opportunity. I think he played the most minutes that season. Um, Adam. What were your other guesses? I mean, you uh, already got the points. You got two points. I would have guessed Ty Lawson because I remember he had some crazy three-point shooting Ooh. games. He did not do it. Ah. Uh, the other five names, Bones Highland. Oh, that just, yeah. Yeah, <sighs> for sure. James James Posey. Surprising. Uh, oh, they had the shortened line yeah. in his Ricky year. Yakuba Diawara. Yakuba Diawara hit Diawara. five threes. That was the only wow. five threes he ever hit. That's wild. Uh, Wancho Hernan Gomez. Ah, uh, the Wancho uh, game. Yeah, he had him. And then Compazzo. Compazzo. <laughs> Dang. This is a tough list, man. That's, that's a really tough I don't list. feel as bad. I felt real dumb after I said Moody yeah. and it was wrong, but I don't feel quite as bad now. <laughs> hey, way better shooter than Yakuba Diawara. <laughs> uh, well, folks, we have a game on our hands. It is now four to three. Let's go. Andrew, you have control of the board. Oh, boy. Okay. Number five. Question number five. There are only four Denver Nuggets who have attempted at least six three-pointers per game while making at least 38% of those threes. Two are Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray. Who are the other two? And you get one point per correct answer. So this is over a a full season. They attempted at least six threes per game and made at least 38%. So high-volume three-point shooters in Nuggets history. God, that's tough. Because it has to be like modern-era Nuggets. Because I would... Like, Mello... Is not going to be an answer of mine, I don't think. Are you looking at my face to see if I changed? <laughs> yeah, I didn't. Of. I'm not giving you any clues. <laughs> um, gosh, that's really tough. Um, six threes is a lot of threes per game. There's a lot of threes. Uh, I don't know if this player did this or not. I don't think he takes that many because he kind of likes mid-rangers. <laughs> I like when you whisper to yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Your thought process. <laughs> I am an insane person, I think. Um, what about Will Barton? Will the Thrill Barton? Andrew, that is incorrect. This means, Adam, you could steal two points here. <laughs> Man, I was going to go a little more bold now. Now I'm nervous about this. I was going to say Dale Ellis just because he played in that. I know he's in the top all-time leaderboard in Nuggets history. So I'm going to go Dale Ellis. Wow. Uh, he is up there in the leaderboard, but he did never <laughs> do this, unfortunately. <laughs> he was um, there in 97 or whatever when they the line was short. So I was like, okay, maybe he took a bunch of threes because they were short threes. Oh, you you know what? Great guess. In the uh, 96-97 season, took 6.4 per game, but only shot 36.4%. Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) So the other two names, Uh, the one I thought you might get, J.R. Smith. Yeah. uh, And then the other name, I have a feeling you would have never gotten, Randy Foy did it. Oh, yeah. Very impressive. Okay, Adam, you could move ahead here if you get it right. Question six or question seven? Shout out to Randy. Let's go number six. Let's go number six. All right. It is the year 2023, and DeAndre Jordan is putting up 21 and 13 in an NBA game. Wow. (laughs) Was that DeAndre's career high in points? No. You tell me. What is DeAndre Jordan's career high in points in a game? Now, before you answer, Adam, you get to choose who answers first. So you can make Andrew answer first, and then you go higher or lower. Oh, yeah. Or you can answer first. But if either of you get it exact, you get a bonus point. Man. So a little risk. Um, there, Andrew gets to go first. I think that's by far the statistically smarter decision. <laughs> Make okay, him Andrew. First. 29. What would you like? Oh, that's such Andrew, a good... ha- Andrew has set the bar 
at 29 <laughs> points for DeAndre Jordan's career high. I feel like you ask this because it's lower than you would expect. But I'm going to go over just because it seems like he had 15 dunks once in the Lob City era. So I'll go over. Well, I will let you know before I give you the answer that Andrew got within one point of the correct answer. And the correct answer was 30, which means Adam gets the two points and has moved ahead of Andrew going Let's into go. the final question. Oh, oh man. Andrew. That was brutal. That Andrew, was brutal. you. You have to get this question okay. to win the week. Okay. If you get it wrong, it's over. Oh, Are you ready? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Rocky, the Nuggets mascot, <laughs> is a mountain lion. According to A to Z Animals.com, oh, my number one source for animal facts, how fast can a mountain lion run? <laughs> you're, I'm going to give you five options, and you're going to tell me which one is correct. How fast can a mountain lion run? Is it? 20 miles per hour, 30 miles per hour, 40, 50, or 60. This is to win the week, Andrew. You have to tell me how fast <laughs> a mountain lion can run. Is it 20, 30, 40, 50, or 60 miles per hour? I, man, I just have no context for speed of cats. <laughs> um. <laughs> and it's showing. And it's showing. Yeah, right. really, yeah, it is showing. I'll just say 30. I have no clue. The correct answer for how fast a mountain lion can run is 50 miles per hour, which means Adam wins the week five to four. Yeah. Wow. Uh, wow. Got a this, on your animal facts. Anyway. This, this is his uh, own uh, scissor tail park here, I feel. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> Total meltdown. Total meltdown. Man, I cannot believe I just lost on a cat speed question um <laughs> hey go go follow adam on twitter at adam underscore mares uh go check out dnvr they do great stuff um audio video all of that go follow them on youtube listen to their podcast it's great stuff thanks so much for coming on adam good to see you guys thanks so much okay andrew that was uh two night uh two weeks of Denver nuggets two weeks Double. A lot of a lot of bad nuggets. Over the course. I know, unfortunately, unfortunately. <laughs> know. Um, okay, so we have twenty-five teams remaining. Uh, yeah, obviously a ton of teams left. So we're gonna spin the wheel of fandom and see who's going to be our team for next week. So let's spin the wheel and see who we get. This uh, week's wheel of fandom team will be the, the Chicago. Bulls, the no. Chicago Bulls. We um okay, so we heard uh today from yeah, we, Shams. Shams reported that <laughs> Zach Levine is going to be out for at least a week with right foot soreness. Um, DeRozan missed the game last night, so we might be getting a lot of. It might just be a week talking about Alex Caruso. Perhaps. Wow. Wow, but if, but Andrew, on the other hand, what if we get a trade this week? Hey, if they if they lose every game this week, we are doing a trade machine only Chicago Bulls pod. <laughs> they only have two games too. I know they play they play the Pelicans on yep. Saturday and they play Charlotte on Wednesday. Okay. If anyone ever well, doubts that we if they, make and, and, up, in fact, that's that's the thing. If they lose to Charlotte, if that actually happens, yeah. Trade machine only pot. It's happening. Trade machine only pot. Yep. You don't want to go in depth on on Patrick Williams. I feel like no. every time we get the no, play. not happening. If they do pull out a win, we will talk a little bit about what happens on the court with them. Otherwise, not happening. Absolutely. Wow. Not happening. Hey, you can leave us a five star review on Apple Podcasts, and we'll read it on the show, just like this one from at MC two zero two zero two zero two. He gives us five stars. He says the Saturday pod has earned its five stars, and I'm stingy. One of the few pods mm. in which the hosts, including weekly guests, clearly watch basketball. If that sounds like damning faint praise, it isn't. So much NBA coverage is just an echo chamber, and I don't have the time slash interest to hear from people just parroting cliches. As an NBA addict with no team affiliation, I love the structure created by the team of the week bit. You guys are doing something rare right now and providing unique 
and circumspect analysis while incorporating some genuine laughs. This is one of only three pods I now recommend. Great work, staff. Wow, that's that's one of the nicest reviews I have have ever read. Um, This one comes from a, a name that is unreadable. It's just like random letters and numbers and like slashes and semicolons sounds cool cool. um it's pretty cool they're in the u.s it said slam and jam is a great nba show great nba show terrific guests from each city the review of games played in the preceding week is entertaining if you enjoy the game thank you so much for that uh next one comes from canada from Steph Janum1234. I've enjoyed the Slam and Jam since its inception and look forward to it every week, so much so that I listened to the most recent episode while floating in the Caribbean Sea. Wow. Oh, wow. Big brag. Big brag. Um, and we appreciate you listening. Always a good time and love the content. Thank you for that review. Uh, just a couple more from OK Meyer. Um, in the U.S. of A. Slam and Jam in particular is a great show. I've always been a fan of Andrew and Alex, but the quality, depth, and fun generated by their show is an incredible addition to the pods here. Thanks to them for the blood, sweat, and tears. Happy Thanksgiving. Thank you so much for that. And then from Red Sox, Rebert, um, Slam and Jam, six stars, he says. All the pods are great, but Slam and Jam gets a six-star rating. Wow. Oh, my so gosh. Thank you so much for that. Uh, hope what you guys enjoy all the basketball this weekend. we got the in-season tournament coming up next week. Um, it's going to be a blast. Uh, we will have coverage for you from Las Vegas. So we will bring that to you in forms of video and audio and all of that. Uh, we'll talk to you guys again next week. <laughs>